Have you got some time on your hands in between sprints or testing features? Then take advantage of that time to learn something new. With Ministry of Testing Pro Membership, you can decide your own learning path. You could spend an hour watching a recorded talk, or you could start that course you've been meaning to take. If you'd prefer live learning opportunities, you can attend a 99-minute workshop or join us at a test bash. It's all included as part of your pro membership so that you can design your ideal learning pathway. So grab yourself a fantastic learning opportunity now and go pro with Ministry of Testing. Welcome to Test Free Relax a podcast where my panel guest could be asked to discuss any testing topic decided by randomly selected test fit cards. I'm your host, Christopher Hickinger. Let's talk testing. Hello and welcome to Test Free Roulette Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Hickinger, and today I have two awesome guests here with me, Lina and Mirza, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, ladies first. Hi, uh, Lena Viberg. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's always interesting introducing yourself because do you spend like 10 seconds or five minutes? But um, I am currently working as an engineering manager. I've been working with building software for 20 something years, uh, big quality enthusiast, um, author, keynote speaker, creator. Um, teenage mom, which is really strange because I'm still like 25. So how can they be grown up? <laughs> Tell us a fun fact about yourself. Um, a fun fact about me would be that I love doing budgets, which I'm the only one outside of finance I've ever met who loved doing budgets. Okay. I hope it counts as a fun fact. <laughs> um, Mirza, who are you and what do you do? Well, uh, I've always been kind of a geek and a gamer, and uh, I've been in IT professionally for maybe around eight years now. Uh, five of that has been in testing. Uh, I also worked as a freelancer for a while as well. Uh, I like sharing memes online and spamming people with those. Uh, I write a blog and... Uh, do some online speaking as well. Right now, I'm working for a company called Consultier and uh, using BDD on that project, which is pretty interesting to me. And the fun fact about yourself? Uh, fun fact. Uh, well, usually when people meet me, they think I'm shy. And when they get to meet me a lot more, they just beg me to shut up. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right, it in I'll, short. Yeah. I'll accept that. Um, let's play a game of Test Your Roulette. Um, I'll uh, spin the wheel soon. It will land on a specific card. The card has three examples and a summary. I'll start off by reading the card's title and the summary, and then we'll discuss. If we uh, land on something that we don't know anything about, then we can just skip it and go to the next one. So are you guys ready? Sure. Yeah. All right, spinning the wheel. It landed on a pattern card. Um, 
minimalism approach which wasteful processes documentation or messages can you lose anyone want to start well i mean i've always been more of a more is more person than a less is more person um but i guess somewhere halfway through my career i realized that maybe those test cases i was writing were only like a, a crutch holding me back it was a uh, false security um i find mind maps give me more structure and less restraints so test cases would be by mm -hmm. documentation i would get rid of oh that's interesting how about you Mirza? uh i'm kind of favor of minimalism so uh, i'm thinking about it like comparing something like scrum to kanban maybe where you have a lot of ceremonial meetings and uh, kind of opinionated opinionated checks to keep you in place so i think for high performing teams where everybody's uh, like maybe like a senior and uh, people are very responsible i think something minimalistic is more appropriate where they have more creative freedom since they do have less chance of screwing things up mm -hmm. that's my take on it in short yeah um i'll read one of the examples on the card is everything you do as a tester necessary? Are your reports being read? Is your documentation useful to you or others? I actually have like, a, well, one of my previous projects, we had to make documentations as, as a tester, but nobody would read them. So it was kind of a wasteful. So I would say, get rid of that on that project. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let me read another one. Some products require documents to be printed and then to be uploaded again with signatures. Is there a possibility to keep everything electronic? Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting to me. Um, it seems like digital signatures has really taken off in the last couple of years. Before that, there, I, there was, I was often forced to print things, sign them, and then hand them into HR or, or other mm -hmm. people in like physical form. And nowadays it seems like they don't even, they don't even ask me to, which is nice. <laughs> you don't need to kill more trees. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do you have an opinion about it, Mirza, or experience well, with it? Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing that we have electronic signatures because you don't have to scan stuff and you know put a stamp on a piece of paper and things like that but i think it's important that uh, if you're using something like that it's it it is a there is a legal frame in a country which we are operating in and i know in some countries laws for electronic signatures don't really exist in my country it's been like getting accepted for over a decade and i think it's still not there yet so i can only hope all right um Time for a new card? I'll spin the wheel again. Here we go. It landed on a purple card. Feelings card. Certain is the title. It's a neutral feeling 
You believe something to be true and nothing can change your mind. Often confused with stubborn. Have you had any experience in these? Maybe Megaza first? So maybe like some confirmation bias perhaps or, or when you're really convinced of something. I'm not really clear on it 100%. Um, I guess it's more like you believe something to be true and other people won't believe you. Uh, but you definitely know it's true. But it is true and nobody believes you. I don't know. So maybe it's a culture issue where there's some lack of trust or something involved. Maybe. Maybe some prejudices towards tester roles who are always crying wolf or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing here. <laughs> it, can, it can be anything. Um, Lina? I um, I think most people who have worked with me would say this is uh, uh, very much me. I'm al al always or very often very sure about my opinions and myself and my work. Uh, but I also, I mean, I love being proven wrong, but I am certain of my beliefs up to the point where they actually prove me wrong. Um, Sometimes that has helped me, but a lot of times it might have maybe stopped me from looking in the right place when testing or when building something. Yeah, I guess. Um, until proven wrong. Let me read uh, an example on the card. That won't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Team members found a bug you didn't catch, but you're sure you tested it thoroughly. Have, um, have you experienced that? I mean, I have at some point. Well, yeah, more than once. And, and how did that make you feel? Uh, it's not a pleasant feeling, really, when you have to kind of prove your innocence like that, especially if you're sure that something could be an environmental issue. I mean, on a test environment, everything is fine, and you go to staging or whatever, and suddenly there, there's this bug that wasn't there previously and nobody really believes you. It, I mean, in unhealthy companies, that's pretty common and testers kind of have to uh, make sure they have proof of what they've done, you know, screenshots and things like that. So I prefer where trust is part of the culture, but, you know, there are still companies where that's not the case, sadly. True. Do you have anything to add, Lina? Yeah, I mean, this is the part where I actually, I don't mind being proven wrong. So if they've found something, then obviously I didn't test it thoroughly. Um, I guess my most interesting example would be we were building a file upload function with like a, a limit to the size of the files, uh, which I was convinced I had tested thoroughly, like uh over the top thoroughly, but it turned out when we when we really investigated it that we had an issue with the operating system, the database, and the um, the programming language or the library we were using. They calculated file sizes slightly differently. So obviously, I did miss it, but I also did test it as thoroughly as I knew at the point at that point in time. Um, but I don't mind that as long as we learn from it and do better next time. True. I mean, we're still all humans and mistakes can happen. Yeah, good point. Um, let me read another example from the cards. 
uh, a programmer built a feature in one way, but you think the product owner meant it to be different. You're having a hard time convincing him. Hmm. I mean, don't we have access to the product owner? Why don't we just ask him? Good, good. Yeah, that's what I would do as well. Um, but let's say, let's say you don't have access to the product owner. Let's make it interesting. Hmm. What would you do? Well, do we have the requirement written down somewhere, or can we do a three amigo session, maybe? Oh, that that would be interesting three amigo session. Yeah, yeah kind of distill the requirements. I mean, most problems can be prevented very early on if we are clear on what actually we want to build and how we want to go about it. Yep, true. Unless we went too far with the minimalism card before, <laughs> we didn't document it. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, uh, if if you really had to convince someone in a one-to-one -one way, how would you do it? I guess depends on who would I be approaching. The developer who built. Yeah, the, the developer. Well, uh, I'll try to find some arguments, kind of, to back my claim, to see if if that's kind of a discrepancy with the logic from the rest of the application, how it's working. Trying to try to kind of reason with them logically, not on an emotional level, because developers are like to like things when they're black and white. I mean, no offense, <laughs> but that's just how they function. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, I would do something I like. Maybe like let them see the point of view from a customer or something. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, anything to add, Lina? Or? Yeah, I like to, I mean, a lot of the work I did when I was working, still working like in hands-on with testing was building relationships. And the amazing thing with building relationships is you learn what actually motivates people. Uh, and I mean, of course, there are developers who are motivated by hard, cold facts, but there are also developers who are motivated by other things like um, building a really strong business case of why this would hurt a user or um, why it would... Um, uh, why they would be embarrassed by delivering something that's wrong to production or um, using power structures within the company or why solving it in my way would be a cooler problem to solve or there are lots of different motivators and if you know more about the people you work with you can like adapt your attack in the appropriate manner. Definitely true. Like a part of our skills needs to be change management. Yes. Um, let's hop to the next card. Um, I'll spin the wheel again. It's a heuristic pink card called reverse. What can you learn from a workflow by executing it in an opposite order or in a different order? Um, I like to use an example of... Uh... So when we build features, we tend to think that users will pass through it from A to... to I mean, start from end in like a 
as smooth as possible order. But what users actually do is they uh, do a lot of other things like uh, go have lunch or take a coffee break or watch a movie on YouTube with cats. Uh, close <laughs> the browser and then return and expect the shopping cart to still be there or whatever it could be. Um, so this is actually something I talk to my developers a lot about when we build things like um, I have them walk me through a process and all the steps in it. And then I ask, well, what would happen if this service was down or what would happen if these two transactions arrived to the destination in the wrong order or something like that. And we have found a lot of bad bugs before they even started writing the code by just discussing that. So it's, it's actually one of my favorites. I agree. Uh, Mirza, anything to add? Well, I think a, a real world uh, user scenario is rarely like a straight line. It's more like a zigzag or like a crazy maze or something like that. But we really need to have to take into account uh, a certain amount of these real world use cases, these kind of weird ways to use the application because they they will happen and it's up to us to determine which ones are the most likely and kind of assess the risk on those. Yeah, I personally like to make the workflows as well, especially with APIs and then like switch them up in a different order. That's always amazing to do. Yeah, draw up something in a my robot to help you visualize or whatever works for you. Exactly. Um, let me read a uh, example on the card. When inputting data into a form, start at the bottom and work your way up. I think that's interesting to do. <laughs> what could happen? Let's say you have a regular form with like name, email, um, address, and all that kind of stuff. Start at the bottom. A lot of I... things could go wrong, I think. Uh, go ahead, Lena. I don't think I've actually tried this exact example anytime, but I can imagine if we if we build too much front-end validation in a form like that, we could end up with a lot of interesting problems with the previous fields. Um, I like that. I don't think I've actually tried that. I'm trying it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I might do. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like the front end validation might screw stuff up, I guess. Um, anything you want to add, Mirza? Yeah, I mean, we could get some, uh, I don't know, unpredicted results there. I mean, I I've tried like submitting an empty form and things like that. Sometimes it goes through, but I haven't tried it uh, the other way around from the bottom to the top, especially being for big forms. I think this could be an issue where something really weird and unexpected happens. I'd love to try it out, honestly. Yeah, me too. Tomorrow. <laughs> All right, let me um, go for another card here. Spinning the wheel again. It's a green card technique. Um, it's called knowledge. Important information is often found in the documents left behind by your project. Hmm. Any takers? 
so uh, I, I was on one project where they didn't have much of a up-to-date uh, formal documentation like onboarding stuff and things like that and uh, most of the domain knowledge I gained was like by reading comments left by other testers when they tested something and what they left uh, in their testing tickets it was kind of scrounging around for info all over the place but I mean, if you have a good process, even a bug report or, or a cheesy test case can help you and service documentation in a way. Maybe even exploratory session testing reports if you structure them properly. Let me read an example on this card. I don't think it's an easy card. Well, I don't find it an easy card. Yeah. Um, identifying knowledge that only one or two persons have on the project. How do you spread it? I've been on projects where um, there's like this sole developer with all the knowledge of the product and nobody else knows it. How do you? How would you approach this? I mean, Nina? this card really connects to my my first ever public talk, uh, which was about how I found, how I discovered that mind maps could actually be a decent way of of documenting tests instead of my. Uh, structured step-by-step uh, step test cases. Um, and what I actually had to do at that point was go through tons of documentation, test cases, uh, code comments, everything I could find, structure that in a way where it was actually accessible to people. And then uh, I had one business expert who was like the oracle in that project. <laughs> uh, so I just, I dumped all of the things I found and I was like, this, these are my hypotheses, prove them wrong. And then we kind of sifted through all of that and, and uh, rebuilt the documentation for the project uh, afterwards. Um, you even read the code comments. That's really impressive. Like, I don't see many people doing that. Uh, no, but I'm also... Uh, not much on minimalism, and I like to be certain. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> um, let me read another example from this card. Consider doing a daily. Did you know about our app? This could bring knowledge of useful features, funny bugs, weird behavior, and powerful demonstrations to the team. I think it's a weird example. Um, but like, have you guys ever done that during the daily? So like, like a daily stand-up, that's what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, daily stand-up and then like having an example, of a mini demo of something, like a feature or something. Well, I mean, not exactly, but, but we did use the, the mind map that we ended up with. We used uh, to find bugs in the code because the old documentation was so weird. So when I showed them, this is what, the code should be doing. This is what how the business should work. Uh, we could very easily find very large bugs in the code by just comparing them. So we didn't do it as a daily, but but similarly. Yeah, I would I would personally book like a separate meeting for it, like a knowledge sharing meeting or something. Yeah, we sometimes do that during refinement sessions change yeah. something or figure out how it can be done better. But I get the principle and I like it. It's it's nice to be adaptive. Yep, true. Um, 
Anything else to add to the knowledge uh, card? No, but it took me a while to figure out what this one is about. Yeah. Might be stupid tonight, I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, more than usual. Uh, some of the cards are a bit like hard, if I could say it like that. Um, well, that, that's it for tonight then, I guess. Um, thank you guys for joining. Um, how can people get in touch with you guys? And if you have anything to share, go for it. Dina? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm really glad to be here since I <laughs> happen to have a companion card, card deck to test fear. Um, I have a card deck called Would You Risk It? that was very heavily inspired by Test Fair when, when I started it. Um, can buy it through Ministry of Testing. I also have, have a book on the same concept available on Amazon and LeanPub. Uh, ping me on Twitter. I'm available on LinkedIn. I'm available on almost any social media you can ask for. I'm always happy to discuss, help, coach, whatever you need. Um, I like giving back to the community. All right, that's awesome. Uh, you, Mirza? Uh, well, you can check out my blogs at juniorlearnstocode.blogspot.com. The, the code name is when I was learning web development, so I was too lazy to change it ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find me under my name. And uh, for any other info, you can visit my portfolio website, mirzacisits.com. All right. Thank you guys for joining again. Thanks for having us. It was thank a lot you. of fun. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in on the Test Fury Roulette podcast and see you guys next time for another game of Test Fury Roulette. Thank you to the guests and thank you for listening. For more information about Test Fury, check out restormingonline.com or buy the card tech from the Ministry of Testing store. Music at the courtesy of sepsplat.com. We'll see you for more roulette again soon.